Uh, we're so excited to have you today. Thanks for joining this uh, next episode of In the Nick of Time. We have two amazing guests today, David and Marshall, joining us from Hack the Box. We're going to talk about uh, key uh, uh, investments you have to make in your uh, cybersecurity learning and how to keep up and how to make sure we have a fighting chance at fighting against some of the uh, malicious actors that are using more and more innovative techniques uh, and tactics. So uh, it's going to be a very interesting episode. If you've not yet subscribed to the show, uh, please do that. Go to inanikoftime.tv and register now. wanted to also remind you, if you've not tried it out yet, go on learnwithnick.com and uh, try it out for free. We have uh, new videos every week and great content, uh, both on DevSecOps, Zero Transformation. You have a 50% off if you're a, veterans, a veteran military or, or civilian and 20% off for everybody else with Let's Beat China as a coupon code here. Uh, so check that out. Uh, you'll see uh, a lot of videos that we uh, we published are already getting a lot of great feedback uh, when it comes to uh, managers as well uh, as uh, technical people. Uh, so we're trying to bring everybody uh, to the modern uh, times. It's important not to just know the buzzwords, but also uh, be able to uh, keep up. So uh, check that out. We just launched a new company, AskSage.ai. If you've not checked it out, please do that at AskSage.ai. Um, it's uh, effectively bringing uh, OpenAI GPT to the U.S. government. So we have uh, a lot of great uh, integrations with data sets from uh, the U.S. government uh, teams, uh, both DOD and, and civilian agencies. We can ingest custom content. We can do real-time queries, uh, stuff like asking for the uh, METALs for airports, uh, weather. Uh, for go, uh, no-go decision for flying. I mean, we have a lot of great custom use cases. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, you can create an account for free. And then if you have a custom use case or you want us to ingest data and make it uh, something more customized with customized uh, personas, uh, you can reach out to us and we can do that as well. Uh, so check that out at asksage.ai. Uh, finally, uh, if you missed the, the video that we published this week, go check that out uh, on uh, modular architecture we explain the importance of cutting uh, your monolithic architecture into microservices to be more nimble, more flexible, and also be able to better document your cybersecurity controls with uh, uh, using OSCAL and OSCAR, which is a new uh, uh, project from the Linux Foundation. So check that out on uh, YouTube. If you want to check that out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nicolas Chillon, you'll be able to, to see all the videos as well. Uh, if you've not done that yet, you can go in the, to the store uh, at store in the nick of time.tv. All the profits, 100% of the profits, go to the Fisher House um, to help veterans. So check that out. We have a lot of fun t shirts and goodies. So uh, uh, always uh, as a reminder to, to go do that. Uh, with that, with that uh, let's talk now and bring our two guests today, uh, Marshall and, and David. Um, quick background first, David has uh, 20 years experience of sales uh, with uh, more than 10 years providing enterprise uh, security solution to Fortune 500. Uh, before his time at Hack the Box, he worked for Checkpoint uh, Software and uh, uh, he has spent time uh, working uh, for the Israel-based uh, cyber threat intelligence company uh, before that uh, as well. And Marshall, is a head of cell, uh, sales engineering at uh, Hack the Box uh, with uh, uh, close to a decade experience in cyber. Uh, after starting as uh, the first cell engineer uh, at Hack the Box in 2021, he is now the uh, uh, head of uh, sales engineering and 
uh, he has been promoted to, to direct the global sales engineering organization. You can see the two uh, LinkedIn profiles there. Uh, with that, uh, let's bring them on. Let's uh, say hi. Hi. Uh, how are you doing, guys? Hey, everybody. Hey, Nick. Nice to see you. Yeah. Uh, hey, so Nick. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So excited to have you. Very exciting. Uh, so much to talk about when it comes to cybersecurity and learning and, and how to keep up. So, you know, we have a lot of questions we got both from the audience, but also uh, from uh, our discussion. Before we get started, I always want to um, give, uh, give you the chance to give uh, a quick background on your journey. So uh, why don't you start uh, Marshall first and then we'll go to, uh, go to David. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's an interesting story. When I when I first kind of branched into uh, just the IT field in general, I, I really was in the restaurant industry. So I was in the hospitality industry for quite a long time and pivoted to working in IT. At that point, I uh, you know I started started my own business doing uh, hardware repair and consultation. And a funny story, when I was working on a Python script, I ended up breaking something, as as all engineers do. And I ended up Googling the error. And about five or six links down, um, I, I stumbled across Hack the Box. And I was, you know, mesmerized. I was, what is this? And figured out it was a hacking community. Um, and I was at that point completely, you know, invested. Uh, figured out you had to hack your way to become a member. So I was, you know, like I said, completely invested at that point. Um, and that's really what launched my cybersecurity career. About five, six years later, uh, I get into pen testing uh, through, through those five, six years, um, working with, you know, different local agencies around my area, um, universities, uh, commercial space, along with the public as well. Um, and then, you know, one day I was looking at the job boards that Hack the Box has and recognized that there was an opportunity to work for the company that, you know, got it all started for me. Um, so that's that's what landed me here as the uh, as the first sales engineer for Hack the Box. And, um, you know, I've been here for about two years now. Ah, that's a pretty amazing story, right? Uh, that's yeah. how you uh, managed to uh, not only uh, thank back the, the company and the community that uh, helped you get where you are, but... Uh, now you can uh, expand and make it available to uh, even more people. So uh, that's pretty exciting. Uh, Thanks, all right, yeah. so uh, over to uh, David now. Yeah, hi. So um, my, my journey uh, has always been sales related, uh, but I've uh, kind of taken the technical part of sales very seriously. So I spent close to 10 years in the wireless industry. And during that time, I, I got to work with some government and, and large corporate clients. Um, this is when I was like kind of fresh out of college. And I, I actually discovered uh, security through BlackBerry Enterprise servers and selling Blackberries. You know, it was the only encrypted messaging platform uh, at the time. Right. So that that was kind of like where I got a little bit of a taste of understanding cybersecurity. And then um, fast forward, I ended up kind of tripping and falling into a job uh, in the Checkpoint Security, Checkpoint Software office in New York City. Um, spent about five years there. And then I've kind of hopped around like like uh, to some threat intelligence companies and uh, F-Secure and, you know, various other kind of cybersecurity related companies. All in the midst of all that, um, being lucky enough to be taking on global roles where I worked with some of the largest banks in the world and some, some really prestigious, like large clients that were dealing with some really serious cybersecurity issues. So, um, <clears throat> and then in the past, in 2021, I ended up making the jump over to hack the box. I, I thought the platform was really interesting and, and very relatable to me uh, on, a, on a lot of levels, which we can talk about more. But uh, mm -hmm. I ended up being the first salesperson uh, in the U.S. for Hack the Box, along with another person. Uh, we we kind of kicked off the U.S. sales team, 
uh, there was only two of us. And uh, two years later, here I am, and now I'm running the U.S. sales team. So that's my journey. Yeah, so exciting. So exciting. We're glad to have you. Um, uh, so for, for people that uh, want to start asking questions, we have already a lot of questions from social media. So uh, uh, feel free to start asking in the comment section. Just start with a queue so we know it's a question. We already have uh, probably 20. So uh, uh, it will be great if you want to ask your question to, to ask it now. With that, uh, over now to you, uh, Marshall. Uh, mm. You know, when, when you think about the current gap, right, when it comes to cybersecurity talent, a lot of people, you hear a lot of different numbers, particularly in the U.S., um, medians, uh, allegedly. I don't know exactly uh, what the right number is. I, I see a lot of different sources, different numbers. But when you when you think and you see, you know, kind of the demand and what's happening uh, specifically on the on the talent side, what is the current situation when it comes to uh, the, the talent gap in cyber? No, that's a great question, Nick. Um, and like to your point, there's uh, there's so many different answers to this, right? Uh, but I think one that stuck out to me was a study done by ISC2 last year where they did an analysis on 2022. And the, the, the demand for cyber skills within our industry is just increasing um, day after day. And one of the interesting things specifically referring to the gap is that there's a shortage of talent currently we have in the industry. I think there's, they, they pulled out the number roughly around three and a half million, um, you know, there, there's a shortage of around three and a half million users uh, or, or just talent in general to for, for these cybersecurity jobs. Um, and the shortage really comes down to, to certifications, experience and education. Um, so uh, like to your point, there's, there's definitely a lot of statistics and studies out there, but I think that one's really stuck out to me because it, it just hit home. Um, one thing that I personally can relate to is, is really trying to break into the industry, right? And, you know, kind of referring to my story earlier, Hack the Box really helped me kind of branch into that because of the hands-on training and the experience that it gave, right? At that point, it was a lot easier to, to pivot into uh, an industry that I fell in love with. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, what, what's interesting, I guess, is we always talk about gap of talents, right? But but what does that mean, right? Because you, you mentioned, mm -hmm. you know, certifications, right? You mentioned uh, experience, which is uh, always interesting to me, right? Because I would argue you can easily go get, buy a couple of books on TSSP and Security Plus and whatnot. Sure, and, sure. you know, get your certification with uh, pretty much zero experience or, or actual knowledge of, of cyber <laughs> other yeah. than just, you know, answering... Uh, you know, a few questions and getting lucky, right? Um, and, you know, I, I sit on the board of some of these certifications and I, you know, one of the biggest uh, uh, pushback I always do is is why don't we have more hands-on, uh, you know, testing when it comes to uh, uh, passing those certificates? If you look at uh, what the Cloud Native Computing Foundation has been doing uh, when it comes to Kubernetes, uh, they have uh, labs that you have to uh, succeed at before even uh you know being able to get your your certificate and i think mm -hmm. that's uh, that's a much harder and a much more um valuable uh certificate to get for for kubernetes uh because you you can't cheat your way in just with a couple of books where you have to really do the stuff um so w when you look at this talent problem right how do we solve that gap right is this is this just like hey we, we're not you know uh we have an education problem uh, is it is it the, the schools not promoting uh, this career uh, enough? Is there not enough you know um, uh, curriculums out there to to build the next generation uh, of talent? It's pretty well paid, obviously. So 
you would think uh, people would be fighting to get in the door. So what do you think is going on? Nick, I think you hit it on all fronts here. Um, you know, there's a, I feel like even when I was back in university, there wasn't really a clear path for cybersecurity professionals. I'm sure you had computer science. Uh, you might've had some sort of minor that focused on cybersecurity, but it really wasn't uh, the hands-on stuff that we were all looking for. Um, it was more so compliance, you know, regulations, that kind of thing. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I, I completely agree with everything that you just said there. I think one of the things that um, is really unique about this industry, along with others, is the self-discovery aspect. Um, you constantly have to continue that education, um, and 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 just it's it's just a rinse and repeat type of training. Um, you know, there's new CVEs coming out all the time. There's different attack surfaces heading out. Um, artificial intelligence is getting even stronger, which introduces a whole entire new type of cybersecurity. Um, we're seeing a influx on on how many businesses, uh, small businesses, medium businesses, et cetera, you know, just in the e-commerce space, um, getting attacked. Uh, there's there's just there's so much to branch out in um, that I also think, you know, that that last point that you said, there's so many people, people scratching at the door trying to get in. Um, it really does come down to the hands on training. Um, books will not cut it. Uh, they're a great resource, but it really comes down to the hands-on training. And I know David and I have talked about this quite a bit, so I'm sure he might have a couple of things to say on this as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of depth to this question um, mm -hmm. because there's, there's also like a gap within teams, right? So there's a gap to get people into security, but there's such a lack of hands-on knowledge. So you might get an education in security, but to Marshall's point, you really didn't do a whole lot of hands-on. So when I'm talking to cyber teams that are actually uh, in the in the world and telling me the problems they're having even within their team is there's a gap in knowledge within that team. So 80% of their team barely has any hands-on training. So this this hands-on the lack of hands-on training is really a, a problem that that starts uh, early on in the way that we approach cybersecurity training in general. Um, and also, it's not like a, I learned cybersecurity and then it's over, right? We have to treat cybersecurity more like an athlete treats their sport. Like you don't just mm -hmm. like you don't just go one day, okay, I know everything about um, uh, basketball and then just stop stop uh, practicing dribbling and learning new moves and playing defense and getting all the, you know, the things. It's, it's, a, it's a continuous process and it never really ends. Uh, so if you're in the field and you're not doing some kind of hands-on training on a regular basis, um, you're, you're essentially falling behind. So there, there's a lot to cover there. It kind of starts in the beginning with like what the curriculums are and then continuously uh, you know, even once you finally bridge that gap, get employed, there's another gap that has to be bridged, which is to get you experience and, you know, relevant hands-on experience. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot to, a lot to try to solve here. Yeah. Definitely well, you know, that's that. interesting, right? Because you, you, you see effectively, um, you know, I ask the schools, right. Uh, when, when many, many universities reach out to me to take some of my curriculum and my, my knowledge, I guess, and, and put it into uh, curriculums, but most of them, wanted a five-year cycle of updates and i was like i'm not going to put my name behind something that's uh stale and stuck in time i want to uh you know uh, i want i wanted a at the very least a three-year i wanted a one year but but then i was like, okay maybe we can you know find a middle ground and, and get to three years um and then uh, they refused uh, and so they went back to to five years so i refused to partner uh with the universities um and created London with nick because we wanted to have you know, something updated every six months um but you know that, that tells you also like uh, kind of the you know the, the economics uh the, i would argue there's plenty of of money obviously to to update the curriculums uh at the very least every every three years if not every year uh but they refuse to do the work um there's also like a, a talent a problem when it comes to 
the the professors and teachers, right? Because are they mm-hmm. keeping up, right? And are they hands on? Sure. And and are we just dealing with Team F that didn't make it, right? In the actual uh, cyber <laughs> world, and then you know uh, those are the people we we want to be teaching the next generation. So are we are we invest? Do you feel like you know schools are investing enough and understanding kind of that that velocity? aspect because that, that's fairly unusual right compared to other fields uh, the, the kind of that crazy it uh, velocity i think they're yeah. starting to i would agree with yeah. that david yeah 100 yeah, yeah. It's, we, it's we definitely see that quite a bit yeah go ahead please david <laughs> No, I was going to say, to, to kick off, uh, no, I was going to say, I completely agree with David there. He hit it spot on. We're, we're definitely seeing a trend. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of the conversations that, you know, we, we see coming in uh, to Hack the Box are, you know, the universities is a large case. You know, we work with over close to a thousand universities at this point, along with CAE. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, they're definitely making some moves in that space. Um, having something that's, you know, you don't have to maintain your own labs um, is very attractive for a lot of universities. Don't have to maintain your own infrastructure, your labs, they stay updated, fresh content con- constantly coming out for your teams to practice on and use uh, or for students to actually try on. Uh, we see a lot of curriculum mapping, even with the federal side of things, um, you know, for, for the academia on the federal side, we see a lot of content mapping there, um, kind of just building things out, right? How can, how can the the curriculums and the content that we're building complement the curriculums like they currently have in place and just help enhance it. So it's uh, definitely need more of it. Um, but I, I think that universities are starting yeah. to move in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, largely kind of coming from the students as well. Cause I, you know, Jeez. I see the, the messages we get at hack the box into our sales inbox. Right. And a lot of it's coming from like the president of the certified uh, or excuse me, the, the uh, ethical hacking team or the, um, uh, whatever the hacking team that a university might have, right? So the professors or the um, uh, the deans are not really seeking this per se, but the students are seeking it uh, and then kind of bringing it to the, uh, to the school and then the school starts considering it and bringing it in. So it's actually kind of almost being forced into universities in a sense. Um, and maybe that's how things just naturally evolve, but that's how, how it seems to be working, at least from what I can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So, so you've seen, I guess, in the last couple of years, Maybe some awakening from the university standpoint. Uh, is that is that a true, a fair statement? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely not the norm yet. I but I'd say the you know there are universities that are forward thinking out there that are starting to embrace this and looking and even high schools. I've had some uh, high schools uh, based in New York, um, you know, kind of New York City as well, um, start looking to build out curriculums using you know services like Hack the Box. Um, so. Yeah, that that to me is like where we where we should be heading, right? To something something hands-on and practical. Get you know, take take something as massive and difficult as as all the labs and hands-on stuff as we have, distill it down to the appropriate level um, for you know for each grade, uh, and and then start start to start them young. You know, uh, that's that's what I think is is what we really need to do. And it's kind of like I said, it's kind of happening whether we want it to or not, or whether other people want it to or not, I feel like, because it's just so Mm -hmm. needed. But, um, but yeah, I think there needs to be a more, uh, I don't know what you call it, like an industry or world uh, recognition that this is the, this is the way as uh, the Mandalorian would say, or whatever, you know, this is how you do it. You don't really have a choice. Right. Um, So I guess, you know, we're back to the, how, how are you going to learn? Right. And so for me, obviously I'm, I'm biased because, I created my first company. I was 15. I, I don't have a degree other than a high school useless, I guess, diploma. 
but you know, when you when you think, when you think of and I, by the way, that didn't stop me from from succeeding and, and becoming the first yes. chief software officer for the Air Force and Space Force. But uh, you know, it was obviously a little bit more tricky. But but experience to me is is what matters. Uh, and hands-on labs is essential. But but when you when you look at the learning aspect, right? You 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 were spot on, David. Right? You said, hey. You know, you're not going to get stale and, and get stuck in time. You want to keep up, and it's, it's a continuous process. I would argue, right, people need to have the passion to do that, right? Because I've seen a lot of people go into fields in IT, uh, including a, a guy I interviewed, yeah, I remember back in the day, uh, telling me they don't have a laptop at home uh, for a developer job. And I'm like, wow, you don't have a, <laughs> you don't have a laptop at home. Like, what, what, what is that? You know, how do you? what is this you know uh i mean you know it's just mind-boggling to me but um you know and he's a developer allegedly you know uh obviously we didn't hire him but you know when you when you think right of the learning and and the passion you need right to reinvent yourself because you know let's face it other fields don't require you uh you know i mean obviously you know if you're in the mba you you need to to do that kind of investment but you have the passion to right you'll get the money as well uh but if you you know if you just uh uh, hanging out, it's pretty tough, right? So how do you see, David, the uh, the self-learning aspect and how do you see people uh, keep up with the, the pace of cyber? Yeah, so you're spot on. I think there has to be an intrinsic motivation. Um, and honestly, even in, in I, I think that crosses to all um, uh, all areas of, the, uh, of, of business at this point. Um, it's something I look for in hiring salespeople as well. But, but to, to stay on the topic of cybersecurity, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's also just absolutely necessary, right, in the world that we live in. Maybe that's a change from previous generations where you could just kind of like, you know, this is my job. I go, I, I, I um, you know, whatever, I, uh, I, I do the thing that I have to do. I go home and I, I, I see my wife and kids and life is all good. But I think it's different now. I think it, you have to kind of uh, find that thing that you're motivated to do and spend a little time and think about outside of work. Uh, and if and if cybersecurity turns into that thing for you, that's you know that's where you should probably uh, invest your time. And the good thing about that is it pays off. I mean, uh, as far as I can tell, I've yeah. seen on uh, there's some good websites uh, that that document this. But, uh, you know, you can start and become a penetration tester. I believe you started one hundred and five or six or something thousand dollars almost entry level. Right. So uh, it's a worthwhile investment if you're willing to if you're willing to do it. Uh, but if you're if you're if it's not for you, then, you know, I wouldn't enter into it and just be like, well, this is a job and I should go do it. Right. So I, I, I really do think that that's part of it. And then the businesses themselves can also keep people motivated uh, provide mm -hmm. provide fun fun challenges and things for for uh, their employees to do, so that because you know because that spark isn't always going to be there right like that motivation motivation comes and goes, uh, but if you have some you know so, like a community or or even a collective uh, team that's supporting you um, maybe when one person's a little less motivated somebody else who's motivated might might help them and and you know kind of spark them so. Uh, a big part of the way I see cyber is uh, collaboration as well, which we'll probably talk about when we, we in a little more. But uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I would I would totally say that um, you know keep, keeping yourself motivated, having a business that that finds that important is definitely all key aspects to solving this this problem overall. Um, so that, that's how I see yeah, it. David, you took the words right out of my mouth, so you're 100 agree. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the the uh... When I started in the Air Force, I started pushing, you know, an hour a day of learning 
to airmen and um, and contractors to be able to not just uh, catch up, but then keep up, you know, with IT. Uh, that wasn't just cyber; that was all of IT. Uh, a lot of people thought I was crazy, right? An hour a day is, is a lot of time. Um, obviously, some companies may just decide to do less and 30 minutes or whatever. But but I, wh- what would you think is, is kind of a good, whether it's, it's with the company uh, funding it uh, by giving you time or just uh, yourself investing in, in your, your own time, right? Uh, how much time do you think is, is needed nowadays to, to just like, you know, catch up and keep up with what's happening. Is it, are we talking like a, a thirty-minute day learning? What What do you recommend for people to learn? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. So, I mean, I guess it depends on your favorite medium, right? Because there's a lot of ways to do this. Uh, you can listen to podcasts. You can, you know, you can read a book. Uh, you can watch YouTube videos. There's a lot of things you can do, right? Just to at least keep yourself uh, aware of what's going on. But when it comes to the hands-on practical stuff, I think that's going to vary. I think like an hour a day would be pretty ideal. But I, to, to give you like a super real-world scenario of what at least companies that work with Hack the Box are doing, um, it's, pre- it's pretty common. We, we hear this across the board that uh, at, at a minimum, they do about two hours a week on a Friday, let's say. And they get mm-hmm. together. And as a team, they do like uh, team learning exercises in, in the hands-on labs, whether one person's leading that or they're doing it together as a group. Uh, but at least you have a dedicated two hours per week, right? So I guess if you mm-hmm. divide two hours by, uh, I don't know, I'm terrible at math here, two hours by five days, what? how many minutes is that a day? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, much close to a half hour a day. Like yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. So, I mean, maybe that's the minimum. But uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you have to dedicate something. And and hopefully you're also, like I, like I mentioned earlier, like listening to a podcast or doing something that's relevant to right. your, um, you know, to your, to your growth. Uh, cause you, even the little ideas and nuggets of information you get from things like that, um, are in my opinion, uh, really helpful and, and, and kind of give you that direction to like, where, what should I go concentrate on or what would be interesting to learn? Oh, I heard this new idea on this podcast. Maybe let me go look at that. Right. So it kind of keeps those, those juices flowing. Yeah. yeah uh, so many great YouTube channels, right? So mm-hmm, it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to pick there. Right. So. Yeah, I was going to say to echo to echo off of what David was saying. Um, yeah, sorry, 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 Nick, but yeah, to echo off what David was saying. I think uh, you know the self discovery or the self learning, self education. It's more of like a lifestyle mentality. Um, I know we we toss around the hacker mentality here at Hack the Box all the time, um, and it's it's really that constant self learning. If you can continue with that sort of mindset, um, it truly does become a, a lifestyle. Um, kind of what David just said. It's not necessarily you have to dedicate an hour a day or forty minutes a day to you know to what David said forty minutes for for five five days um, type thing. It's it's more so like you listen to podcasts, read up on stuff, uh, you know, so subscribe to some uh, news outlet that you really enjoy and, and get your your briefings through the day. Um, go over like major CVEs that happen, um, you know, this week and things like that, because I feel like at some point or another, you, you will become a decent enough penetration tester, stock analyst or whatnot to not have to spend the crazy amount of hours getting to that bar. Once you get to that bar, it's about maintaining it and then just being kind of ahead of the curve and keeping up. And I think that that comes with understanding what's out there and what's happening. Um, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, don't don't go with the hands on lab experience because that's that's the gold. Like that's the uh, that's where everything really lives. Um, but, yeah, I think it's the, the really just the hacker mentality. Yeah. And, and tactics and, and, and procedures can evolve. Right. And, and new, new actors are using. Uh, more and more advanced things. I would argue, you know, it it was uh, pretty easy to hack into U.S. companies, and it still pretty much is. 
because yeah. of the lack of talent and, and you know the lack of cyber defense we have in place. So so malicious actors are not even using the most advanced techniques because they don't have to, right? But but the more we raise the ball, the more they're gonna they're gonna do that, and and so then you have to evolve. And so I think you know anyone thinking, hey, you know my cyber defense posture is where it needs to be is pretty much um, already wrong just uh, thinking it right so it's it's a never-ending uh battle and, and the malicious actors particularly with new ai uh techniques you know and automation can do much more much faster with less people and oh yeah can really automate the discovery process right nick it's funny you say that because i mean there was a study done by accenture back in 2016 and this is this is a public study but they they go into like the financial or banking industry and there was a there was a rough statistic that like 80 percent of the financial institutes that they actually ended up interviewing were very confident and their cybersecurity defense posture and red teaming, you know, operations and, and things like that. And, and it was actually one out of three of those had a had a successful cybersecurity attack done on them at some point. So, yeah, to your point, um, I think you're spot it's, it's, on. It's supposed to be uh, less confident, right, and, and more secure <laughs> than the yes. other way around, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, so not, learning... it's not if, it's when, right? So Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So learning is never ending. Um, I can relate to this. And this was kind of what drew me to hack the box in general. Um, if uh, I'm, I'm an avid Brazilian jiu-jitsu player, uh, been doing it for a decade uh, plus. And uh, mm -hmm. if, there's just there's no end. Everybody always says there's no end to jiu-jitsu, right? Like you you can't learn it all. It's impossible. There's no such thing as it all because it continues to evolve. Right. So if you get to the highest level, you're a black belt and you think, oh, I've learned everything you're just you're just completely wrong a black belt that knew everything 10 years ago knows absolutely nothing and the, and jiu-jitsu is like unrecognizable 10 years later than it is than it was 10 years ago um so you're essentially you know just stuck in the past and and all the people that have been awesome. continuously training could just yeah. smoke you and 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 you know eat you for breakfast so uh it's <laughs> yeah. very much it's very much the same thing in um in in the world that we live in now and cybersecurity i i think is exactly the same uh, so if you have that overconfidence, um, you're that you're that guy that thinks he knows everything. And that's that's a fool, you know, like in a, in a nutshell. So you, you don't want to be that fool. So, yeah, I, I that's that's how I view this. And that's that's why I thought this was such a cool uh, place to come work when when they told me like, oh, yeah, we have this like this hacking gym, essentially. And I was like, yeah, that's like training. You know, I can relate to training. If I don't train every day, I'm getting uh, everybody else is training, getting better than me. So I have to train. Right. So. Mm -hmm. anyway that's yeah. that's um that's exactly exactly right but to nick to your point um so so few people are doing the proper training that the people yeah. that are actually the, the yeah. people that are doing any type of training with malicious intent are able to beat the people that aren't training uh that that are trying to protect the the networks right so they can get by with some of these very simple uh that's the thing also techniques. with the, the, the certificate yeah. right it's so easy to get the certificate that uh how do you have companies assess the the knowledge of people if if the the only way for them to do it really today is is uh, at least in the past was just uh, looking at this paper uh, plates you know is that so what's the next generation or what's what do you recommend people doing uh, mm. is is kind of putting them through hands on labs and say hey you have to complete these and see them do that is that is that how you measure uh, someone's expertise. How do how do you do that? That's that's what we're doing at at uh, Hack the Box with our our new certifications. Uh, we have this uh, certification called the CPTS, 
We also have a certified penetration testing specialist. We have a bug bounty one as well called the CBBH. Um, and not to do shameless plugs here, but it's it's spot on with what you're what you're um, asking about. Like you're not allowed to take those exams until you've completed 275 hands-on labs and done uh, eight or nine simulated pen tests. Uh, so it's really it's it's really like you don't even get access to an exam uh, to to take the exam until you've proven that you have. Uh, you have the hands-on skills to do it. And there's, there's really no way to cheat or get the answers. Um, like there's no like, Oh, just give me the answer button or anything like that. So it's, right. it's, uh, it, it's not a per there's no such thing as a perfect scenario or perfect uh, solution. But uh, I think it's very much in the, in the spirit of what you're describing, right. Where like, we're, we're making sure that people are, are able to do something before they get any type of certification or even attempt a certification. Um, and it's yeah, pretty in depth. Yeah. We're talking, you know, months of months of learning and, and practice before you're able to, to uh, even get that certification, which, you know, it's just a certification, right? The more important part is what you're doing before you get to the certification. But. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. The paper, the paper is just a piece of paper, but you know, I, I guess I heard uh, that some of your hands-on labs, <laughs> were so uh, advanced or difficult, I guess, that, um, you know, even, even your entry-level stuff uh, was so difficult that you had to create lesser uh, levels uh, for, for government team that were just uh, kind of a little bit uh, struggling and it was uh, kind of, you know, already too difficult. Is that, is that a, something you see sometimes where, you know, I guess you, your stuff was, was advanced, too advanced for, for teams and yet you had to, yeah. you know, dummy down? <laughs> Yeah, no, I think uh, you're spot on there. And, and I know David's probably got a few things to say about this too. So I'll, I'll keep it short and sweet. But, you know, that's exactly why we made Academy. Um, Academy is essentially like the service that is it's 100% guided. Um, it's it, it reaches the widest audience to your exact point. Um, there's a lot of people that, that struggle or, or find the, um, you know, find realistic content challenging. So they need some place to, to start their journey, right? Um, that's where Academy really lives and breathes and, and brings that sort of dream to, uh, to life, brings it to reality. Um, I mean, even, even going through the path that David mentioned for the certified penetration testing specialist certification, um, mm -hmm. where you're simulating eight or nine pen tests, that path is so guided. It's actually like sitting side by side with, uh, with a senior, you know, with a senior pen tester. Um, you get to the end up, you end up getting to the very last module, which is considered the capstone module. And again, you're, you're going through like a, an enterprise, you know, attacking simulated, uh, scenario and again it's all guided videos images gifts like you're, you're getting all of that with it right so yeah mm -hmm. so yeah and so i guess nick i'll go for it yeah absolutely. Uh, so i'm sorry nick. i just want to add one thing because um we have we have a couple famous hackers that work at the company one of them is uh mm -hmm. D david uh forsyth or oxdf and uh he actually explained the difficulty question in a different, so I just want to give you, uh, you know, you and everybody a different kind of thought process on like what's hard and what's, and what's easy. Right. Cause that's always a challenge. Mm. Like what is, what, what, how do you define easy and hard? So if you think of it in terms of like um, a, a runner, right. A marathon runner, a, an easy marathon might be flat. Right. And a hard marathon might be running uphill. Right. But if you've never ran before and you're just trying to get your first, you know, mile in, the easy marathon's hard for you, right? So it just it yes. depends on like what your, you know, what your background is and who you are and, and and where you're at, right? So yeah, some of the content might be hard, but it's not hard if you're a marathon runner, right? But if you're not yet right. a marathon runner, then it then it's hard. So 
what we've tried to do is address all the different people at different stages of their journey to become, say that, to use this analogy, uh, marathon runner um, and kind of, you know, get them when they can only run a mile and then when they can only run two and then three and then a 10K or whatever, and then eventually a marathon. So we, we, we actually are working as, as hard as we can to segment out that type of content and, and, and deliver it to people when they're at different stages in that journey. So, but you are correct. That is where the original perception was like, everything is too hard. And then that's where the Academy kind of came in to try to fill that gap uh, in the meantime. Yeah. But yeah, de yeah, defining hard and easy has always been a challenge. Uh, yeah, David, it just depends on what I think you, you know, you bring something. No, I was gonna say that's you kind of hit it spot on because again, that kind of loops right back to, to exactly like, you know, what, what we try, like our objective, our vision, our mission here at Hack the Box, right? And that's closing the skill gap. Uh, like you said, you know, we have people sure. coming into the industry, have no idea what to do. Think the con easy content is incredibly difficult. That's okay. You know, we're going to help you bridge that gap. We're going to get you up to industry speed type of thing. And and then same thing with business customers, you know, federal customers, et cetera. Yeah, you already have the skill set. Let's let's get you to, to kind of going toe to toe with those APT threats, right? Or those just APT actors. Um, yeah, you know it's, it's interesting because if you if you take a step back on the on the army use case uh, or the duty use case, obviously they didn't really know that they were not uh, at the level that uh, they they were supposed to be at. They were mm. all ticking the boxes on paper with those fancy certificates, right? That uh, our dear uh, government uh, decided to require to be able to get one of these jobs. So it's just interesting for me as an anecdote to say, hey, you know. They had the paper, they were checking all the requirements, but yet they couldn't even complete the most basic of your use cases and you had to dumb it down to, for them to, to come and join you and, and get to that level of maturity. But, but the fact is, the way we used to assess people was clearly not good enough to get the best of great talent because clearly hmm. they couldn't do the, the that's, most basic stuff. So, that, that's uh, really interesting. So that, that would boil down in my mind, Nick, to uh, you're never been truly tested. Right. Mm. If you think exactly. if you if you you go in, you, you do a bunch of boxing on a bag and you're like, oh, yeah. And, and you've got a coach next to you certifying you saying, yeah, you're great. <laughs> you know, these hands are, are the best hands. Right. You're fully certified by my book, but you've never been in a fight. Right. And then you get into a right. fight and you get knocked out in two seconds. It's it's exactly the same thing, really. Um, yeah. That's and, that, it's, and it's, that's where these simulated hacking labs really come into play. They give you that opportunity to, to test yourself and see if you're really, um, really ready or not. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same. I always argue with uh, you know the U.S. and China. You know, we we've never had an actual uh, wall time engagement. Knock on wood. Um, yeah. We may have it soon enough with Taiwan, but but the fact is, yeah. right now it's, it's it's you know complacency and uh, convenience is just like uh, going rampant because you know people just feel like we're doing pretty good. But but again, we've never had a an actual fight against China. So so maybe we're gonna get a. A pretty tough surprise it's, it's it's almost like a you know uh the, the the team's going to the olympics but if you if you never show up to the olympics you could think you're number one <laughs> but you're not until you actually go exactly. and, and right? so, <laughs> that's a great uh, so anyway uh let's move to the next uh because i have a lot of questions sure. for you guys so um yeah. obviously we talk about that a little bit um you know reading books you know a lot of people can just uh, effectively uh, go answer, you know, ABCD questions and uh, pass uh, one of these uh, Secretary Plus, ESSP, you know, CEH, whatever certificate. Um, but but do you feel like people really, you know, are, are competent in, in cybersecurity without without that hands-on experience? Unfortunately, no. I think it's a direct no for me. Um, 
Don't get me wrong. Uh, reading books is, is critical. I, uh, I probably read 10 to 15 books related to cybersecurity or, you know, um, whether that be AI program, I mean, anything really when it comes to programming, um, I'll try to get my hands on it and just read about it. Right. Uh, but the certifications are a great way to just kind of test your skill against a standardized uh, against the, just the standardized industry level, right. Um, going for something like CPTS, CBBH with the certs that we offer, um, doing some of the pro labs, we'll get to your own certifications. That's like attacking enterprise networks and their simulated corporate network environments. Those are great. Um, and there's always something that I learn. even going back into like Academy and going through the certifications there, um, doing something as trivial as, you know, Nmap enumeration, right. Um, I was pen testing for six years before I came over to hack the box, decided to go through that module. Yeah. I, I learned something new about IDS and IPS evasion and packet fragmentation Thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so again, like there's always this, the constant self-discovery reading is super important, but if you don't get the hands-on skill sets, it's all, all in vain, in my opinion. Yeah. I would, I would add on to that um, in a, in a, in a sense that it's really hard to get experience, even if you start your job at a company, right? Like I, I've dealt with companies that have interns and they're giving them practical experience. But to, to your earlier point, Nick, they're really not getting experience with dealing with a live event or hacking, right? Yeah. So what, yeah. what you really actually, to get experience, you almost have to do the, the hacking, right? You have to do the bad thing. Uh, but if you do the bad thing in a, in a safe way, in a safe environment, then you're actually getting experience where you can say, okay, a, a bad person or a bad a hacker, a bad actor, excuse me, or a hacker, they're doing these things. And, and these are the things I need to prevent. Um, so instead of like, when you get your job, instead of just looking at like indicators of compromise IOCs and just being like, like, okay, well, it looks like, you know, there's an alarm that went off. What do I do here? And getting good at following alarms, you can then kind of shift that to, to like understanding behavior and looking at like, you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? And putting those things together to understand a behavior, a behavior that you've already done and, and, and understood intuitively now because you had enough time to practice and do those bad things, right? So I, I would argue that the only way to really get experience uh, in, in cybersecurity is to act like a, an attacker and take on that mindset and simulate that. David, you even, you know, you bring that up because it's, you know, what you're kind of talking about is more from the defensive angle, right? Insert responders, threat hunters. Sure. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, threat intelligence type of thing. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, even you, you brought up OXDF or, or David before. Um, yeah. And uh, he, you know, he mentioned he was a sock. He, he worked, um, you know, he worked in the defensive side of things for a good, better amount of 10, 15 years, I think. And um, yeah, the, the best analysts, right. The, the very best ones, the cream of the crop, they, they understand the red teaming tactics, the offensive tactics. And, and the question is how low is that bar though? <laughs> yeah that, when you, that's when you say that <laughs> when you say that when you say the best like you just need a little bit of experience having done some offensive uh you know simulation of bad of being a bad guy right to yeah. to, to be above that bar because the bar is pretty low well i mean david not I a lot mean, of people to, have that yeah I mean, we're seeing that in the industry though like when we were doing market analysis we're seeing a huge transition into the purple team training uh, we started seeing that towards the end of 2021 and, you know, definitely hit a stride in 2022 and definitely before that, but that's really where we saw a, a huge push for it. Um, so, you know, there's, there's even training out there. That's we're, we're seeing a big shift in the type of training that's out there. It's not just for pen testers. It's not just for SOC analysts. It's like, how do you bridge that? Um, how do you, how do you, you know, have, have something that could be done by two teams at the same time on different ends of the spectrum? Um, how can you bring that collaboration to a training environment? Again, 
that doesn't come from reading. It comes from hands-on getting in the same quote unquote room and doing it together. Yeah, well, I think you, the, you're giving me the, the perfect segue for for you know, my follow up here <laughs> yeah. on 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 the the skills, right? People people always wonder, you know, cyber is a big field, right? It's not just the title, right? Uh, you have different uh, jobs in the cyber field. Uh, what are the the first the, the jobs you feel like are already booming right now, and uh, which ones are maybe uh, uh, seeing the biggest uh, talent gap and uh, maybe you know what are kind of the specific specific skills that are already in demand right now that's for david sorry yeah oh okay um yeah so so there the i think there's a huge gap in the like operational and you know like uh sock if you will analyst roles i think there's a, a very big mm -hmm. gap there uh but you know, we can talk about that in a second i think uh in terms of like what's in demand I, I think that uh, people that are able to do some sort of pen test, whether it be application or network or cloud, uh, and then I, I'd say cloud probably being the most in-demand, cutting-edge thing that I'm seeing, uh, being able to, to, to pen test. And, the, you know, the thing with the cloud that, that's in-demand is actually understanding, like, how one pivots from one application to the next for example, uh, a lot of training right now is you're looking at an application in isolation, but you're not really understanding like, you know, if I compromise this application, what can I then do next, right? So having a actual cloud environment where you can pivot among cloud services is very rare um, and something that I think is in demand that, that we're seeing, especially at like large financial institutions and, and, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's picking, up, picking up pace, but uh, but yeah, I, I would say to go back to my first comment about operations and, you know, kind of security operations, I think there's a massive gap there because I think that's the easiest point of entry for, for security personnel and they end up with the mm -hmm. least hands-on experience. Uh, so that's where we're trying to fill a gap among existing, uh, existing uh, employees, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's no shortage and I'm sorry, not to ramble on here, but there's no shortage of... Uh, of demand in any of these areas of cybersecurity. It's just a matter of like a heat map, right? What's hotter here, hotter there or whatever. But I mean, it, I don't think there's a shortage really uh, in any of these areas. And Marshall's more hands-on and technical than me. So I'd, I'd love to hear what he thinks, uh, in, you know, my interpretation. No, if I'm David, David, you're starting to tread a very dangerous line. You're starting to sound like an engineer yourself, you know, so. <laughs> Uh, no, th those, that was a great point you brought up. And, and, and to be honest, you're, you're hundred percent spot on. You could almost close your eyes, you know, cover your face and throw a dart at, at the industry, you know, need for cybersecurity, hit something and you're going to find a demand for it. Um, sure. Socks, uh, socks are, you know, probably the, the, in, I don't want to say easiest to get into, but it probably have the, the lowest um, requirements, right. To get into, it's a great place to get your foot up and, and then kind of break into that space. Um, but more from the pen testing side, I think, you know, you, you brought something really important. Uh, pen testing has been around for quite a while. Red teaming, you know, definitely. But the moving in, moving into, you know, leaning away from doing it on your own infra. And we have this huge transition into, you know, moving a lot of our services into the cloud, right? You see companies doing it, the federal government doing it um, globally, not just, you know, here in the U.S. Um, that's, that's a whole new space and it's brand new. Um, and it's not like, you know, David mentioned, it's, uh, it's attacking, attacking, attacking isolated, you know, uh, services. That's one thing. Um, and you really can't understand truly how to defend something unless you understand the attacks that could actually come at it. Right. So I think that's a huge shortage. You know, we have a lot of certified pen testers that can do on-prem and 
type of engagements. But moving into the cloud, now you're talking about compliance. Now you're talking about attacking, you know, um, serverless applications. Uh, again, like to what David mentioned, if I can grab information from this, does it allow me to gain access to something that's maybe not connected, but still in the same area, right? Um, you know, going and dumping Docker registry containers and whatnot. Like those are, there's just so much that you can do. And there's, it's a, it's really like the wild, wild west at this point. Um, cloud infrastructure is something brand new. So that's, that's a huge demand, um, both from the offensive and defensive viewpoints. Yeah, no, very, very cool. Um, so I guess gives plenty of, of options for people listening that are looking mm. for um, where to focus. I guess if you like the uh, offensive uh, aspect or the defensive aspect, it's, uh, it's a very different universe. I think uh, playing both is actually pretty healthy so you can compare uh, mm-hmm. and learn uh, you know, uh, both sides of the puzzle so you have a better understanding of what's happening. Um, but I guess, you know, we, we're going back to, to your lab, uh, work that, uh, hands-on labs that you guys, uh, built with Hack the Box. Obviously building these uh, labs are, are pretty complex technical challenges, right? Because you have to put them in sandboxes so they don't end up messing up, you know, the, the hosting environment. Uh, you have all that, uh, volume and velocity of, of people doing, uh, uh, different uh, crazy things in there. So, so Marshall, what, what do you what did you feel was the the biggest uh, technical challenges to, to create a lab like this? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a wide variety of answers here, coming down from you know how we hosted on the infrastructure level all the way up to kind of what David brought up earlier uh, for for those that are brand new, um, kind of facing that sort of client facing challenge. Hey, if I don't have my own infrastructure, how how do I actually connect to these labs? How do I engage with them? Type of thing. Um, so. And I guess, I guess kind of starting from that angle, um, we actually offer a, a web-based attacking VM that you can actually utilize right from the browser. So I think that actually solves a huge challenge for people that are looking to break into the industry, yeah, don't exactly. really have their own, right. mm-hmm, yeah. own, own infrastructure set up. So that, that's a huge challenge that I think we overcame. Um, and it, it offers, it offers a, a whole other type of entry point. Um, for breaking into into cybersecurity, but you know, sandboxing the environments, um, uh, we u- utilizing tools like KVM um, and and vCenters, ESXi, et cetera, like they they make they make containerizing obviously Kubernetes as well, make containerizing applications pretty well. So you know, the challenges there um, may, maybe don't have too much to to say on that aspect. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, I think that probably sums it up, um, at least from from my angle. Not sure, David, if you yeah, had any I, points there. Before before you move on, I, I thought there yeah, was please. also an aspect of of um, you know um, having to build your your own cloud. Effectively, I don't believe you have mm-hmm. you host it on a, on a public cloud, right? Yeah, another great point. So yeah, we host all of our content on our own infrastructure. Which I mean, not not to. Um, if I if I if I say that wrong, the infra team might might you know yell at me. They definitely you know had put in a lot of work on making sure that everything you know was was really strong there. But one nice thing is that we actually, uh, if you're going to pivoting back to what we were just talking about with regards to cloud, um, we actually host all of our cloud stuff natively on cloud. So you're not getting some sort of sandbox environment when you're going to attack and learn on AWS or GCP or Azure or things of that nature. Um, you're actually spinning up live instances on that platform. So you know. Yeah. One thing I can add is, you know, that we, we have two platforms, right? Just so just looking at it from like how Hack the Box approaches this, we have our main platform, which has like 2 million people on it, right? And some of the technical challenges there are how do you allow resources to be shared and, and still make the experience great, right? And I, and I can't get into the details because I'm not the person doing that, but essentially 
you know, they allocate a certain amount of resources per certain amount of users and the experience is generally pretty good. On the business side, what we did is we, we've given everybody their own dedicated uh, environments, right? So if you're, mm. if, you're a, if you're a government entity or a, uh, or a business, you don't have to deal with anybody like resetting your lab or, or, or messing with anything that you've done or, or you know, changing anything on, a, on an environment, leaving, leaving stuff behind that they should have, like bad hygiene, anything like that. You're, you're all getting your own kind of experience uh, with your own company and as a, as a, with a private uh, VPN instant, you know, private server connection and everything like that. Um, so there, those are the kind of things that we, that we solve for, like basically making sure that the experience that the user had was uh, was top notch, um, and then for our business clients to make it even even specifically untouched by anybody other than them. Yeah, yeah. And Nick, to kind of uh, pivot off of that question too, I uh, I probably should have mentioned. You know, we have this crazy. I shouldn't say crazy. We have this very intense sanitation process when it comes to developing our actual labs as well. Um, you know, we we have this you know entire large checklist that constantly is just growing and changing and is very dynamic on. Um, the processes that we lock down, ensuring, you know, what's open, what's not. Uh, and, and we do a lot of just testing on, in sort of that front before we even launch a machine to the public or to business customers. So, yeah, that's that's probably uh, not necessarily a challenge, but it's um, it's definitely part of the process. And it's uh, it's, you know, we, we, we tackle that and take it very seriously. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. So I guess, Marshall, uh, obviously you've seen uh, kind of the evolution of, of tactics and procedures uh, with managed actors uh, reacting to the defensive uh, methods that uh, companies are using. What, what, what evolution have you seen uh, recently when it comes to tactics? Yeah, not a good question here. So really, there, there, there's so many different attacks that are constantly happening. Uh, and there's, you know, there's different spaces. I think like you know, we have we have different attacks that you'll see in the medical sectors versus the financial sectors, you know, commerce, et cetera. Um, but I think one of the big things that's hitting across all fronts is API attacks. And you'll see companies like Synac really preparing for that. And they're hitting the ground running, looking for any sort of training that they can get their hands on when it comes to API pen testing. Um, with microservices becoming more and more of a of a need, not necessarily just on, again, local infra or on-prem infra, but also for cloud-based applications. APIs are uh, making everyone's life easier from DevOps to, uh, to, to you know, front-end facing client endpoints, right? Um, attacking those is is we're, we're seeing, you know, huge amounts on um, with the, with the medical industry actually moving a lot of their content or a lot of the, the way that they share data, right. With other sort of um, with other uh, hospitals sharing data with other hospitals type of thing. They're all now going towards a, a, an API endpoint type of uh, process. And that can get very scary. If you think about an attacker being able to compromise, you know, an API and at that point getting your sensitive, you know, information um, uh, on your on your medical information. That's that's huge, right? And again, that's just the medical industry. Finance is already heading that way. Businesses are, you know, well on their way to doing that as well. So huge API is probably the biggest at this point, from from at least from my perspective. Yeah, that's interesting yeah. because we had uh, the the team from Traceable, you know, which is uh, uh, one of the leading uh, API security company, and they they've also seen obviously a massive increase of. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, companies trying to protect their APIs, and it's, it's kind of becoming the low-hanging fruit uh, because many many companies kind of ignore, uh, you know, their their cyber defense on APIs for for too long, and it's it's starting to uh, to become a problem. I guess yeah. someone was asking uh, if you guys are starting to uh, Tyson was asking if you guys are starting to build a, a sector uh, specific uh, boxes. 
since you know you, you're mentioning that uh, different sectors see different type of activity, um, I guess uh, that that's an interesting question. Yeah, uh, Marshall, I'll, I'll take the first stab at this, and then you Please, know, feel yeah. free to add more. Um, so yeah, I mean, so we we're we're, we're definitely in the process of coming out with um, an ICS uh, kind of lab environment. So that's one thing. Uh, some industrial control systems is something that we're addressing in the near future, uh, IOT, those kinds of things. Um, and uh, we also have something that we give to our business customers on a, on a monthly basis that might be, uh, you know, kind of interesting. So uh, we, we do two CVE boxes every month for our business customers, which is kind of a, a given. But uh, on top of the CVE boxes, we also do like a business logic box. And it's usually focused on, on something relevant to a specific industry, like a credit card processing box or, you know, something, something that's, um, you know, highly relevant to a specific uh, business or industry. Uh, so the, that's the trend, you know, where we're heading. And, and those are things that are, we're generally providing um, as a benefit to our business customers. So beyond using just the main platform, uh, when you start getting into our, uh, our, our business offering, you're going to see more and more uh, kind of sec sector specific or vertical specific uh, types of uh, scenarios and boxes. Yeah, David, you said it really well. And, you know, Tyson, to kind of answer that, to, to elaborate on that question too, um, you know, ICS is definitely something we see constantly, you know, that's, that's something we're developing and growing out, um, working with industry leaders to build that out too. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Uh, it's not that far out. Uh, but the, the other aspect is we currently have um, you know, machines and, and labs in our environment currently that work that focus on like Nest thermostats and things of that nature as well. So, you know, you're, you're able to attack PCI controllers and focus on more sort of that 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 sort of side of things. So, we have content already for it. Yeah, exciting. Um, so, I guess uh, you guys do a lot on the federal side, right? You talk about universities too, but you you guys do a lot on the government side, what did you, uh, what pushed you to, to, to focus on, on the federal market? Mm, good question. Um, I think it's just a huge uh, landscape, um, you know, on top of, on top of seeing a, a huge demand and I'll, again, I'll try to keep this short and sweet, but there's a, there's a big demand, not just in the federal space when it comes to this type of training and kind of, you know, elaborating on what we've been talking about earlier, but also in the university space, you know, we see that's probably the biggest need there um, when it comes to different sort of academies that are facing, um, that are federal facing, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, there's, you know, a lot of certifications that they'll, that they'll, or a lot of hoops that they'll have to jump through, you know, for in regards to promotion. And Nick, I'm sure you understand exactly what I'm talking about here. Um, getting, getting sort of that hands-on training um, inside the uh, federal space, it is, uh, it's not only just an opportunity for, for us as a business, but it's really an opportunity for us to work with governments on a global scale uh, to really strengthen defensive and just get visibility on offensive offensive te techniques and, uh, and tactics that are happening in the, uh, in the world that we see today. Um, and just, you know, again, building, building strength and doing it with our, with our governments worldwide. So that's, that's really the, uh, you know, the pivot that we made there. Yeah. There's a similar story there uh, to the universities as Marshall kind of mentioned, and it's, it's the bottom up story, right? Um, the, you know, we, we go to black hat and various other conferences and the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the people in these in the federal market uh, that are not necessarily making the buying decisions are, are requesting this. Right. So they're the ones that are pushing this up to the to the top and saying, hey, all the stuff that we're getting trained on is outdated or, you know, 
whatever, not, not relevant anymore. Um, can you please update these systems? Right. So a lot of it is, is similar to the, in, uh, in the universities where we are, we're almost like wedging our way in just due to the fact that like so many, so many people are, uh, that are in these, uh, you know, in the DOD or in the different, uh, parts of the federal government are, are actually like saying like, Hey, can you, can you show my, you know, the, the my chain of command, like what they're missing out on here. And, and so they're being exposed to this and then understanding like, wow, this is, this is the new thing that we should be, you know, getting. And so we're, we're, we're growing and focusing on that market in a huge way. It's a big part of our growth for, um, for the future. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's just like everything like we're doing, it's kind of coming from the bottom up, not the top down. hundred um, percent. Yeah. There, I was going to say there, it's not just uh, us kind of pushing for this too. We're seeing, uh, I mean, we're, we're getting a lot of federal clients globally just reaching out to us uh, for this kind of stuff. So again, like to David's point, a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the, uh, the personnel that are, that are kind of demonstrating interest in this happen to be users on our platform already that are just pitching it up the chain. Like, Hey, this is where, this is how I got as good as, you know, as I am at what I'm doing. It's because of this sort of training. Um, so it's really that bottom up effect that David just mentioned. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, it's always like that. Um, so, you know, when you when you look at uh, the the talent gap in the next cyber generation, right? Um, obviously, you're bringing some great great tools and, and labs and, and things, but but we've yet to solve the, the 3.5 million uh, talent gap. But what what do you think is going to take uh, to 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 actually solve the problem? What what are we missing that's still not there that's preventing us from even remotely catching up? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I, I think I started mentioning this earlier. I think high schools need to start um, with this. I think there could be opportunities. I don't know if you've ever seen like in any strip malls near you, there's like coding uh, schools mm -hmm. for kids now and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think those right. types of things are, are great. Um, starting getting your kids hand on understand, hands on understanding of coding and, and concepts related to IT or STEM, I guess you could say, and then ma making that kind of go into something like a cybersecurity, starting them even at that, that young, um, that young age, giving them that, that, that base, uh, of, of understanding. And then like, you know, curriculums in junior high schools and high schools should, should definitely be, uh, you know, plugging this stuff in where they can, uh, that, that, that to me is like a, a really good start. And then obviously in college, um, there's all sorts of opportunities now with like, like, um, and, you know, those kinds of things that can be that can be built around this um, kind of like war games, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, red versus blue, P mm -hmm. PVP, you know, player versus player type of scenarios, which we have, you know, on our platform as well. We have a thing called Hacking Battlegrounds. It's kind of like joining a Fortnite server or whatever. You can just hop on and find somebody to find somebody to play uh, P versus uh, PVP, excuse me, uh, uh, hacking. Uh, so those those kind of things like, you know almost building it into like a cultural um, aspect of, of, of how we do things. Um, you know, like as popular as Fortnite is, it would be cool if there was a, 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 a you know, something took off or millions of people were uh, practicing hacking in a fun way. Right. Uh, so I, I think if, if we could really build out a culture around cybersecurity, make it fun and interesting. And then the last thing I'll say on the topic is um, once you get to a job too, right. I think it should be the same thing. There should be almost like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, an apprenticeship uh, program, right? Like where, you know, maybe before you're really on board hundred percent, you get some type of apprenticeship or you get to learn cybersecurity uh, in that kind of more hands-on way as well. So I think there's a ton of room for innovation and thoughts and, and, you know, kind of 
going back to things like apprenticeships that are old school, but modernizing them for today, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, just kind of. So, let, so less time, a lot on, of ways less time on TikTok. Let, less time on TikTok and more time on hack the box, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Nick. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, David brings up something awesome. Uh, I'm really glad he brought it up because. Yeah, definitely. It's it's attacking um, it's attacking the the university side of space and, and the the education se sector really. Like if we can you know push into that space, it, it makes um, it just gives a lot more awareness to um, uh, you know to students in general. But I think uh, you know how do we build it right? It's not just the the, the tactic, but it's how and you know our uh, chat or Harris we call him Chap internally. That's his game. You know that's his hacker handle. Um, Chap is, uh, he, he, he kind of saw this early on when he, when he first built hack the box in 2017. Um, and it, it was through gamification. That's really what the, uh, you know, what the younger generation really ad adheres to, um, and enjoys. And, you know, again, it ties into exactly what David was just mentioning with Fort with, uh, you know, with different games like Fortnite and, um, or Fortnite, excuse me, I'm thinking of Fortnite, but yeah, Fortnite and the games like that, right. It's, uh. Um, the gamification is a huge, a huge win there, um, and that's exactly what we do here at Hack the Box. It's one of our, you know, objectives, visions, and missions is to is to really build out you know, that sort of gamification aspect. Um, there's leaderboards that we offer, so it gives a competitive environment. Um, you can obviously disable that, and make it collaborative, but again, it's it kind of giving you that edge. Uh, it's a competitive space. Um, it it helps with that self learning and self discovery. You know, how do I get to the top of the leaderboard? What can I do? How how do I push? Where can I learn? How can I grow? Um, and it's all through gamification, in my opinion. So I think that's that's yeah, no that's doubt. how we that's how we do it. Yeah, no doubt. That's where the future is going, anyways, for pretty much everything. So yeah. Uh, all right. So last question before we get to the the question of the of the public. Sure. Um, what keeps you up at night? First with uh, Marshall <laughs> and then David. Sure. <laughs> oh man, what keeps me up at night? There's like there's a couple of things when it comes to um, when it comes to you know the industry. I think Nick, you mentioned it too. We have uh, we have yet to go toe to toe uh, with some um, with some other countries, right? I think you already mentioned a couple, and like that that's one thing that I constantly think about. Um, you know, it's uh, what's our what's our cyber readiness on, or just a, our our defensive strategy on a nation level? Um, and on top of that, is it is it really that big of an umbrella? Um, if I was a threat actor from a different nation, where how would I want to be attacking? You know, our nation, for instance, and. And I could we could spend a whole nother podcast talking about those those things that keep me up at night. But I think you know some of the big ones are, are you know it's 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 uh, attacking um, critical infrastructure, right? And we see a huge. I mean, uh, even Robert Lee, you know, CEO of Dragos, talks about this um, and has been since 2016, roughly around that time frame. Like we've seen a lot of that happening. Um, it's actually become the top. I think it's in the top six sectors now that are attacked. Um, globally, right? It's uh, it's it's doing things like that, and I don't think we have the best infrastructure in place or defensive strategies in place for for our critical infrastructure and if you can attack an economy like that that's that's what brings a you know an entire country to its knees in my opinion um i'm not again i'm no no expert on this but i think if i was if i was you know from the research that i've done and uh just from the things that I've, from the people i've talked to um that are in the that are in the military i think that's that's one thing that definitely keeps me up at night but that's just one <laughs> i'll let david go and see if he has anything yeah, um, I think I have two things that keep me up at night. Um, one is uh, just something that we've kind of talked about here today that I, I do think about a lot, which is kind of the disconnect uh, between like the, the 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 boots on the ground and and like the senior leadership, right? Mm. And trying to mm. let them know like what's really going on. Um, and and you know, like we mentioned, like so many times, like hack the boxes 
it's being screened for, you know, we have 2 million people on the platform. It's being, you know, and those people all found it on their own. Like nobody told them to go, go there besides maybe their friend or something. Um, you know, so there, and, and, and there's probably, I don't know the percentage, but 80% of their senior leadership might not even know what hack the box is. Right. So there's this big disconnect, um, yep. going on in the world. Right. And that's like a, that's like maybe a universal problem, generation gap, whatever you call it. Um, but I think if you, if, if we could have leaders that were kind of more in touch with like what's going on in, in, um, in, uh, on the, on the ground level, that would be a great you know, thing. I, I have no idea how to solve it. So if anybody does, uh, you know, God bless you. Um, and then the other thing that keeps me up at night is, uh, uh, I guess you could kind of use the kind of tried and true uh, AI um, thing that AI seems to keep everybody up at night, but just selfishly, um, I've been just very, very, only like three times played around with ChatGBT. And I realized that like, man, it, that thing could do my job practically for me. So uh, it's interesting where that thing is going. You know, if I, I want to respond to an email and I'm not sure what to say, I just go ChatGPT. What should I say to this email? And it writes a better email than I think I would have uh, written. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. it's pretty interesting. So it's 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 definitely worth considering, like what the future is going to look like, uh, you know, for certain jobs and things like that. Yeah, David, David, I used to have that fear too uh, until I realized that, like, you know, t just based off of trends that we've had, you know, since the printing press, really, or you know, even going back further, the technology doesn't really take away jobs. It, it normally just changes the the you know the type of job, right? Um, which I know we've talked about a little bit off, off the, off the cuff, off, you know, on the side and whatnot, but yeah. Yeah. That's it's, my it's, hope. It's going to change the, the type of, of work you're going to do. Uh, I mean, look, yes, that exactly. being said, I think there's, there's some technology that might completely disrupt uh, jobs, particularly when you can, you know, uh, replace such a volume of, of work, you know, so. That might be an exception to the rule. You're right. Uh, very well could be. You know, because it's, it's a different scale. I mean, you look at the automotive uh, and the automation of, of robotics, right? It's it's mm. definitely a lot of jobs are gone, um, and it, they were not really replaced, right? And and so I think you're going to find also um, that they create well-paid job to maintain the robots and build the robots, but it's a lesser number of people, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, you know. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, GPT, obviously, we're biased because we just created a company to bring GPT to the U.S. government. So we realized pretty quick the, the you know, the impact of it. Uh, I can tell you my, my recent videos on YouTube, um, all the, the scripts and the LinkedIn post to promote the video and the, the tweet to post about the video were created by, by GPT. Uh, Very cool. so I'm just a pretty face cool. reading, reading the script, you know, so, yeah, you know, yeah, that's yeah. just, uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, we, we gave it, uh, uh, Jason Chinese, um, resumes and, uh, you know, it's a bunch of field, 150 fields or whatnot. And we said, Hey, you know, summarize who this person is. And he gave us the full summary in, in plain English uh now turning the a bunch of fields into a, an actual human being that we can almost uh, uh feel and and understand so it's just you know the, the type of insight and uh, the type of automation you get i i agree with david it's probably 80 maybe even 90 percent of my job in fact you know you look at the logo of as sage was created by the bot you look at the term and conditions were created by the bot the ui 90 percent of it created by the bot the back end 90 percent of it created by the bot the sql <laughs> 80% of it created by the bot, yeah. not 100%. So all we are is just like, you know, orchestrating uh, prompts to, to GPT to build a company. I mean, it's a company as a mm. service. 
you know um so it's just it's just interesting you know yeah uh, i think crazy. it's gonna and, and look i think you know where, where you're right you know there's a lot of innovation that that you know evolved jobs into something else but you know if you listen to zuckerberg and i'm not a big fan of him but the fact <laughs> is he might be right once uh, where he says you know all these jobs you know will be then automated and so people will have nothing to do so we're going to create a metaverse for them to have a virtual life to be happy because they're going to have nothing to do in real life and they're going to live this virtual universe life uh, because they don't know what to do with their time that's a pretty scary thought but the fact is you know um, there is such a disruption that, that could potentially uh, effectively change or, or, or automate jobs so much that you don't have time to replace them by the next generation jobs that will come next. Um, Jeez, Nick, you're and, giving me more things to worry about at night. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, you are right also on your on your critical infrastructure stuff. I can tell you firsthand, since I was both at DHS and DOD, that uh, our cyber defense on the critical infrastructure, particularly, is at the kindergarten level. Um, if not, you know, mm -hmm. China already having infiltrated, I would I would argue probably forty percent of the grid, mm -hmm. um, and is just waiting to push the button when it's convenient for them to attack Taiwan. So you know, there's. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, fear, particularly when it comes to the cyber defense. We're doing very well in, in offense, but it's pretty useless if your defense is, is just, uh, um, you know, melting down by the time you're done typing, you know. so Yeah, uh, yeah no kidding. Anyway, no kidding. so let's take a couple of questions from uh, our dear friends here. Sure, sure. Um, so um, Tyson had a great question again. Um, to your comment about uh, cybersecurity performance being something like uh, sports performance, has there been any studies conducted by Hack the Box or no, another organization regarding how much continuing education is required for skill maintenance and whole uh, enhancement? That's, uh, I guess, for David. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you, people try to quantify these things like Malcolm Gladwell with like the 10,000 hours. I, I don't know if mm -hmm. that's what he, you know he's alluding to. Um, but I, I don't know how you would quantify that, that, um, right. Like, I mean, Kobe Bryant talks about, you know, or used to, excuse me, used to talk about, um, uh, you know, that he would get in the gym at 4am and then practice three times throughout the day. And then his, his, um, his opponents would only wake, you know, be waking up by the time he was on a second practice and all that. So yeah, I mean, my I study, my, yep. yeah, my study would be Kobe Bryant did better than the guys that didn't practice as much. So. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not really sure yeah. how you put an exact number on that. That's that's kind of tough, but uh, yeah, it's I mean, also it's, where you it's put the ball, right? Like you thought. said, if, if if the ball is is already vastly underestimated uh, because of of stuff we don't know, then you're just setting the stage for what you think is the best. But but again, that's not the best because you don't know what the best is. So then, mm -hmm. how do you really know what it takes to become the best if you don't know what the what the best is? So it's just interesting. Spot on. Yeah, I think uh, kind of getting towards more of the uh, is there anything that we've done on Hack the Box um, in regards to studies? No, there, but there there is data that we you know that we look at where it's like the the people that are top performers they spend time on the platform. Um, so I mean they're they're constantly knocking out challenges, machines attacking pro labs, etc. So um, usually the first ones to get what you what we call blood on a blocks or you know getting first root essentially is what that means. Um, they're on the platform constantly. They're constantly training. Uh, what keeps them up at night is probably training and being the best at this. <laughs> so um, that's yeah. kind of a, from some of the metrics that we see. I no doubt. It's a never-ending journey. Um, it is. It is. So uh, Tyson again is is a very small guy. 
uh, was asking, uh, given your uh, credentialing model, what are you doing with regards to outreach and advertising to explain the value of your credentials uh, to prospective employers and their hiring manager? Yeah, um, I, I guess I can start with that. So, so we had we launched um, our our big launch for the CPTS, uh, which was actually our second of the two. Can you, uh, can you spell it? What does that mean? CPTS. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. C, uh, certified Penetration Testing Specialist. Um, so our, our, our big launch with that was basic. Yeah, sorry. So that, that was basically launched in August, uh, give or take, uh, or soft launch in August. It's been out for, you know, of 2022, excuse me. Uh, it's been out for, I don't know, six, seven months or whatever that is now. Um, and, uh, or five months. Uh, but anyway, that, um, there's, there's been a whole marketing campaign around that, uh, that, that we've done and, and we're seeing a lot of traction. Uh, like I, there's, there's comments and discussions going on around LinkedIn all the time about, about it. Um, but in terms of like outreaching to employers, um, we, we are, we are actually actively encouraging, especially the, the, um, the, the employers that work, uh, as hack the box customers or, you know, that, that, that are hack the box customers rather. Uh, to to tell them like hey why don't you why don't you include CPTS in your job listing and and if you go on LinkedIn or Indeed right now you can actually search and find there are indeed uh, no pun intended there are indeed uh, people using uh, CPTS uh, in their job descriptions and I think that's yep. only going to continue to continue to grow so one of the cool things about that is that it's kind of happening organically so we are pushing it as you know as best we can and we, I think we have I, I can't speak for everything our marketing department's doing, but I think they have plans to continue to kind of uh, amplify that, that message and that, and that process. And, and there's probably some promotional stuff we might be doing and things like that. Uh, but, but yeah. Um, and then Marshall, maybe you could talk about our talent search uh, product as well and how that's, that's related if you want. Yeah, sure. Happy to talk about that. I think uh, one of the things to expand off what you're saying is the, uh, yeah. You know, it's it's definitely coming up a lot. Uh, we're seeing it not happening organically, uh, where you know companies, even even on the federal side of things, um, are starting to put that as a prerequisite um, or a requirement. Uh, you know, to to getting a certain role. Um, so it's coming. Uh, we're we're having a, a lot of like like you said, outreach, David, uh, from our marketing side of things. Uh, but it's it's really happening organically with the clients that we're working with. Uh, Talent Search is a really interesting product that we offer as well. Um, it's uh, essentially allows uh, over 2.3 of our million, million plus members at this point, um, allows them the opportunity to opt in to a job hunt opportunity if they're looking for work, right? And this is actually how I originally found the job at Hack the Box. I was searching through thousands of different you know, job opportunities through hundreds of different companies um, on there. You can access that for free. Um, uh, or at least the you know the user base can access that sort of for free, and business customers can can utilize the talent search to post jobs to a board that that you know end users can actually go through and, and apply for. You can actually do a candidate searching as well. So um, if you wanted to um, look for people that met certain criteria that had uh, advanced knowledge in Active Directory um, exploitation or even um, mitigation, uh, if you wanted to look for someone that had had hit a couple of prolabs or you know simulated corporate network networked environments have completed those, um, you know you could you could look and, and filter out people f uh, with that as well. So yeah. that's another yeah, great, so the, great opportunity for sourcing the, the center. Oh, sorry, Marshall. I, um, so, so the, the the synergy there is uh, we have a product that essentially allows our our um, our user base to find a job. We allow the the companies mm -hmm. using the the platform to post jobs, and in 
one of the things that we we think that companies will start to filter for is who has passed these certifications, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's it's in its early stages, right? But that's the that's ultimately the plan is to you know kind of attack cybersecurity from all angles, meaning from like sourcing the original person, assessing their their skills that they say that they have, and actually confirming that they really do have them through through an assessment process and a technical interview, um, and also certifications that kind of filter for you to be able to get there in the first place, and then continuously training them and then retaining them throughout the life cycle as an employee. So it's so it's kind of a full cycle thing and it, it never ends, right? There's no beginning or end. It just continues because even the things that you do for retaining and engaging employees can actually be recruiting activities without going down a whole rabbit hole there. So it's, it's, a, it's a circle, you know, the circle of life, if you will, goes on and on. And uh, that's, that's, that's our vision. It's the 360 approach. Yeah. yeah. I love it. That's, that's, that's a, I like it a lot. This is, this is actually pretty small. Um, well, I think we're almost out of time. So what we usually do, right, is we're going to let you, each of you, say the parting words. Before that, I'm just going to remind everybody of the next episode next Tuesday, uh, I guess the 7th of uh, February. We're going to have uh, the great uh, Lisa Palmer, uh, mm. who is the, the chief AI uh, strategist. Uh, so we're going to talk AI a little bit. So Marshall, if you uh, oh, David, I forgot. I think it's David that mentioned uh, GPT. Maybe both of you mm-hmm. are worried about AI now, I guess. Yeah. Uh, maybe I made you enough <laughs> worried that uh, you may want to listen to what she has to say. She, she is bringing a lot of, uh, and that's you know often the case with AI uh, expert, right? They, they bring a lot of discussions on ethics. I, I love ethics, right, to a point uh, mm-hmm. because uh, I also care about our nation having the best AI technologies. If China doesn't give a crap about ethics, then we're in trouble. Right. So yeah. uh, I'm a little bit worried sometimes when I saw, you know, the, the, the previous uh, team at the, the Jake, which is a joint AI office uh, in, uh, in the DoD, uh, spent a good uh, 80% of their budget on ethics uh, uh, reviews and documents instead of uh, my, any kind my. of tangible uh, AI capability for the warfighter. So, you know, we, we, we do need to think about ethics. And I, you know, I care about uh, not. Uh, making sure the world is not ending with uh, bots getting out of us or whatever. Uh, but but <laughs> yeah. we also need to uh, take a step back and realize that China is not waiting for us to figure it out. And we need to, uh, and I also tell, can tell you that the, the nation that will control AI will control the world. Um, so that's something to think about. Uh, all right. So next Tuesday, uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, as always, that's going to be a fun, a fun time with Lisa. Uh, with that, uh, first over to uh, David and then uh, Marshall for the parting words. Yeah, so, um, you know, Nick, thank you for having us on. This was great. Um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to kind of talk and give some of my thoughts and talk about Hack the Box and my journey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my parting thoughts are just uh, basically that, uh, you know, although this is a problem, you know, I remain optimistic that we can solve it. And, uh, you know, I, I think the future is bright. It's easy to get kind of go down those rabbit holes and think that, uh, uh, you know, that everything's, you know, bad and, and get all uh, anxious and worried about the future. But I think that, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, things tend to things tend to work out for the best. Uh, at least I like to be optimistic and think that way. So um, I just hope everybody, uh, you know, learned something today and, and is, uh, you know, optimistic about the future and wants to kind of uh, spread the word about about the stuff that we talked about today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, yeah. David. I, I definitely echo that as well. Um, it was a pleasure coming on here and talking about how we bridge the skill gap here um, at Hack the Box and do it on a global level. Um, I think we have a lot of opportunity coming ahead of us. Um, and, uh, you know, there's hacking is the new gaming. So if you, uh, you know, if you're, if you're interested in that sort of environment, if you're interested in one, you know, breaking in the industry, making a great amount of money and having a lot of fun doing it, um, you know, get yourself on Hack the Box or something similar and, and start enjoying the training that we have. Uh, it's, it's only getting more robust and, and better. And like, like we mentioned earlier, it's reaching so many audiences, you know, from purple team engagements, specific red team tactics, um, and governments are using it. Uh, it's, it's, it's for everyone. And uh, Academy, if you're, you didn't know it, you do now. Academy is the place to start. Um, you, can, you can search that just by going, typing in Academy Hack the Box. So it's, it's easy to get started. It's easier now than ever before, actually. So again, thanks, I thanks for I everything. Was, no excuse, no excuse. They, they have all the tools, all the stuff. So now I, I thought I was the sales well. guy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, really, yeah, you know, I can do both, no doubt. So yeah. with that, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. We'll see you next Tuesday, 1 p.m. In the meantime, uh, please make sure to keep up the the good work so our kids have a fighting chance of winning against China 20 mm -hmm. years from now. Stay safe, everybody. All right. Happy hacking, everyone. Take care. Thanks.